Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. By the way, my name is Arman. I'm one of the leaders of this church. You know, if you, if you don't know, if you're one of those person, and we, we all went to that season where we don't know why we even go to church, I should be working right now. I'm actually going to work after this. Uh, but I'm really glad that God built that foundation before, that it started it when I was a young believer. God challenged me to really give up the time with work and the time with church. And one time I was asked by a person, Armin, are you a religious person? And I didn't know how to answer it because I know religion. I know it's not about religion. So today I think I heard God ask me the same question again. It's like, are you a religious person, Armin? Why are you going to church? Well, Lord, first of all, I need to preach today. So I need to be at church, <laughs> okay? But more than that, I think God was really trying to get into my heart. Why, why, why do you go to church? And, and really, it's because, like, why, you're probably wondering, why are the Millers crying? This is the closest thing I have to family. When I came back in, to Guam in 96, I left uh, the Philippines. I had no, when I got here, I had no friends. I did not know anybody except my sister and my parents. I did not have such a close relationship with my sister she can tell you that but that developed over time so really the people that I know was the church I was forced to come to church <laughs> I always say that story but now this is really the closest thing to family this is my family most of the friends that I know are in the church well, I, I grew up in this church I've been part of this church since 1997 uh, I, I'm one of the leaders of the church and that's why church really is for family and and I, and I hope that satisfies God asking me the question, are you religious, Armin? No, Lord, you know that. I wanted to answer like uh, Peter, no, Lord, you know that. <laughs> but yes, but hey, this is not obligation for me, as you might think. I don't feel obligated when I'm up here. I, I, I feel like how, uh, who did the Chariots of Fire? For those of you too young, you probably don't even know what in the world is that guy talking about. Uh, it's like every time I run, I feel the pleasure of God in me. Well, every time, every time I speak and I get the chance and opportunity to, to share the word, I feel a pleasure of God having a pleasure on me. I guess let's just put it that way. Amen? Amen. So let's go on. Let's move on with the time that we have. We will try to uh, squeeze in what we got. Well, today we're doing week two of our series, One More. I, I was telling my wife, but I won't try to sing it. <laughs> I, God didn't give me a gift for singing. But when we started the series, the, the song that keeps popping up in my mind is the one from Little Mermaid, right? Hans Christian Andersen, Little Mermaid. Who knows that song? Uh, there, there you go. Who, well, how's it? I, uh, I have gadget. How does it go? This isn't. I got. You got. You got. You want thing of a bob? I got 20, right? But who cares? No big deal. I want more, <laughs> right? I want more. And like what Pastor Mark uh, shared with us last week, that is really the spirit of materialism. Materialism, that is the philosophy that, we, that man chooses over any other philosophy, over religion, over the value of life. And it, it only has one goal in mind. It's the pursuit of unrestrained accumulation of worldly wealth, and pleasure in this lifetime. That's what materialism, and Pastor Mark was talking about that. He laid the foundation for this series. And why is it? What is it that drives us to materialism? He, we also talked about that last week. It could be fear. <clears throat> it could be pure deception, 
or just unmet needs in our life. And that's why we tend to find our security in material possession. We, we tend to find our significance. We tend to find our provision, everything. We look to it because th that becomes either because we're fearing, even when we have so much already, but who cares, right? I want more. Okay, I'm not going to try to sing. I probably should stop that. Okay, but that's it. That's the spirit of materialism. Having or pursuing, accumulating worldly goods and just for the pleasures of this life. Amen? So today we're going to continue. We're going to continue what's already been established. Go ahead and pop up the next slide. And I want to uh, use this question just to, to get you actively thinking. Is money the source of my confidence? This series is all about wealth. It's all about money. And like what Pastor Mark already established, there are more passages in the Bible about wealth, money, than heaven and hell combined. Makes you wonder why, right? Because there is such a deception when it comes to wealth. There is a deception when it comes to, mon to money. And Jesus knew it, that for our lifetime, we will need to hear all of this. We need to hear all of this warning so that we don't fall into that same trap as he read last week coming from Timothy where those who pursued, those who are, there you go. It says that for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We talked about this last week. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Money in itself is not bad, all right? There's nowhere in the Bible that God condemns wealth. There's nowhere in the Bible that God condemns money. We are not a church. We're not anti-money, right? If you give money to us, we will freely accept it and we will pray for you that God multiplies it on you, okay? Right? We're not anti-money, but it's really... That idea that, oh, which he also talked about is that, oh, when we serve the Lord, we become rich, which is what they call the prosperity gospel. It could be in, we're not also after that, all right? But there is so much warning about money that, it, it, uh, that we should really talk about it, all right? Amen? So let's, con so continuing week two, is money the source of my confidence? Just reflect on it for a while, okay? Is it... Is, do I trust money more than I trust God? Do I make decisions based on the money that I will gain or the money that I would lose? Just like what I said, I'm supposed to be working overtime right now. I will eventually after the service, okay? So in respect of the word that I told my supervisor, I'm coming in, but I'm coming in after 12. After 12 could mean 6 o'clock or <laughs> 4 o'clock after 12, Okay. So let's go on. Let's, let's read our passage for today. Our passage is coming from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. And this is what it reads. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Don't raise your hand, please. If you consider yourself to be rich, this is the passage for you. Okay? Good. Nobody raised up their hand. Because afterwards, Pastor Mark will talk to you next week also. No, I'm just joking. Okay, joking aside. So it's, interestingly, this passage is directly addressed to the rich, as for the rich, right? It's, it's really because of who the church is or what the church is. This, uh, this letter is being sent to Timothy. Timothy is in Ephesus. Ephesus is today, modern-day Turkey, 
And Ephesus happened to have a church who has a lot of rich people. Just simply say, okay? So the instruction that Paul told Timothy is that for those, who, for those in your congregation that are rich, what did it say? Charge them not to be haughty or not to be arrogant or not to think highly of themselves. The deception of money can do that. Just because you, just because you have a lot, it makes you feel like you are a lot or it makes you feel like, oh, I am better than other people. It's so easy to fall into, into that deception. Because money does, I mean, we, there's, I don't even need to explain that. You know what money can do. You can buy better things, right? You can buy the services that you want. You can get things when you have more money. I mean, as simple as going to, uh, riding on an airplane. If you have no money, you won't be there. But if you have some money, you will take what? Economy class. But if you have much more than money, more money, what do you do? You would take business class, right? First class. Except these two couple right here, bless them. They always seem to be in business class. There's a secret with these two. Okay, bless you too. <laughs> but isn't it? There's, I don't even need to explain. There's, a, there's just an ability. Like there's, a, there's something that you have a capacity to do when you have much more money. And that's why I believe money is one of the things that Jesus talked about so much. That is, there's so much warning when it comes to money. Amen? So don't think that just because you are rich or you have much more money, it doesn't mean that you are much better than other people. Okay? Amen? So that's what uh, Paul, or that's what this uh, passage reads. It's, it says that charge them not to be haughty. Christians and non-Christians alike, when we have much more, we feel like, hey, I can do much more. Okay? And, it, and it's easy to fall into that trap. So... That was the first command in this passage. The second one is, go ahead, next slide, is this. Not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Because since they have much more, Paul was writing, said, now, don't set your hopes on them. Hopes here is really the word, don't use it as a foundation. Do not build upon your riches. Do not build upon, or do not build your life upon riches. Do not build your security upon riches. Do not build your confidence upon riches. Do not build your significance on riches. Because we can. We can easily build our, our, our security on riches. We can easily build our identity on riches. We, we, become, we begin to think that because I have, then I, I, have, I have. I have more. Because what happens when that, that riches disappear? What happens to you? You become no more? Because when you had more, you are more. So when it was gone, you you're no longer exist. You're no longer significant. So that's what uh, the second part of this uh, command was saying. Command those who are rich not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. And it says that riches are uncertain. They're unreliable. They will fade away. And of course, uh, as we read last week, it says that you came with nothing in this world and for certain, you would leave with nothing. All right? You cannot take what you brought into this world. Now, speaking of riches, who is the richest man in the world today? If you order from Amazon, you just contributed to his wealth. Jeff Bezos, Be Bezos? is that how you pronounce his last name? He has all the riches in the world, but sadly, he just went through a divorce. 
And I think it was, I'm not really sure. I don't, uh, list, I don't follow much of Amazon. I order from Amazon, but I don't follow much of, uh, about Amazon. But I think they have to split their wealth. All the riches in the world, but it's not a wholeness of life. Man, we'll get back to that. Uh, so, uh, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Next verse, please. Next slide. And this is what uh, Proverbs talk about riches. It says, do not wear yourself out to become rich, but be wise enough to restrain yourself. Again, God is not against us getting rich. Okay? God is not against that. God does not condemn wealth. And just like what Pastor Mark said last week, there are many characters in the Bible who were very filthy rich. They were filthy rich Bible people. Okay? They're not just from Asia. I mean, you got Job, you got Abraham, of course you got Solomon and David. This is coming from Solomon. And he knows to say that do not wear yourself out to become rich. Be wise enough to restrain yourself. When you gaze upon riches, they are gone for they surely make wings for themselves and fly off into the sky like an angel. So do you trust, or where do you find your confidence in? If you find your confidence in riches, this is what the, one of the richest men who ever lived says about it. Proverbs 23. Solomon, until now, if you were to put together his wealth, uh, Jeff Bezos really has nothing on him. Okay? Even I think the first 10, the first 10 billionaires of the world does not, even, uh, does not even touch the wealth of Solomon. All right? So this is what he says. So it says that do not overwork yourself in getting rich. Be wise to restrain yourself. Amen? So next passage, please, or next uh, slide, please. So if God commanded or Paul commanded Timothy not to put your hopes on uncertain riches, then, then I guess, what is then, should we, or where then should we put our, our foundation on? But rather on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. You see the contrast there? Riches are uncertain, they're unreliable, and they will perish eventually. But it says that, but put your hope, or set your hope, or set your foundation on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And this is where I would end, in these three things. You know, church, sometimes I believe the reason why we cannot trust or we cannot, put, we cannot do this or we cannot uh, put our hopes on God, it's really because we haven't really uh, discovered how true this scripture is. Sometimes it takes, a, a, what do you call this? A, it's really a journey, an experience in, the, in our area of finances to really experience how richly God provides for us. All right? But I want to tell you that from the very beginning, that has been the heart of God. It's really to provide His children. It's not just His children, but His creation. Everything for their enjoyment. Really. Everything for their enjoyment. And it goes back all the way to the garden. From the very beginning in the garden, it tells us in Genesis chapter 2 that before God created Adam and Eve, He created the garden. And it says there in Genesis 2 is that all the fruits were pleasing to the eyes and good for food. They were the only two people there, and really they, there's no such thing as cars back then, no such thing as work. So what do you do? Most of the time, what would you do? You will just eat. And it says that all the fruits were pleasing to the eyes, and they were good for food. So where do you find enjoyment in a place where all you have to do is eat? 
on the things you will eat. Then that's what it says. Everything was pleasant to the eyes and good for food. But of course, we know what happened. But God didn't stop there. When God chose Abraham, he told Abraham that I'm giving you a land, a blessed land. So jumping on, in Deuteronomy, this is, this is the land that he was talking about. Of course, you've heard of it. It says it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Amen? You've heard of that phrase. But here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7, it says this. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. Imagine that. That's the land that God was giving them, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are, are iron and out, of whose, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. So from the garden, then from the promised land, God's heart never changed. It's always the same. It's really God wants to give to us something to enjoy. There are certain things that money can buy that will not give you total fulfillment. It does not, it, it comes with the, it, it doesn't have a total enjoyment package on it. But when God gives it to us, the package is complete. It's always for our enjoyment. Amen? And then, of course, then you might be asking, how about now? Let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19. We've got a few more minutes. This is um, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19, 20. This is also coming from Solomon, and this is his observation. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possession and power to enjoy them. And to, uh, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possession. God is the one that gives wealth and possession and the power to enjoy them. He gives you the wealth, he gives you the possession, and he gives you the power to enjoy them. What is wealth and possession if you don't have the power to enjoy them? What is wealth and possession if you're sick? What is wealth and possession if it does not bring enjoyment to you? And to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. Wealth, possession, and the power to enjoy your wealth and your possession is all a gift of God. And then verse 20, it says, For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Isn't that amazing? It says he will not much remember the days of his life. Or he will not occupy himself with thinking of what the day is. Many people today are so stressed out. They're so stressed out of thinking about today and then tomorrow. But here it's so wonderful. It says that God will occupy you with the joy in your heart and you will not even remember your days. You will not even think about your days. Isn't that amazing? It is a gift from God. So, and that's why Paul was saying to Timothy, do not put your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but set your hopes on God who richly provides us with everything for us to enjoy. It is God himself who gives the gift. Amen. He gives you the possession. He gives you the, the wealth. And he gives you the power to enjoy it. Amen. And then, uh, okay, now let's go to John 10, 10. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He's not talking about eternal life here, church. Okay, he's not talking about eternal life. He's talking about the life that we can live here and now before 
we sleep and we go for our eternal life. That, that's what I believe that God is talking about. And over the years, this, this verse to me keeps coming back up, keeps coming back up. And I believe that, uh, that abundant life that he's talking about is packaged into three. It seems like God always comes in three. He packages it in three. Uh, eventually, we'll talk about this when I get a time. But that abundant life he's talking about, I believe two of them has to do what he has done for us. And one is how we see what he has done for us. It's packaged that way. We can live a life here on earth, just like what it says in Ecclesiastes, where we don't have to worry about our days, but our day will, be, will just be full of just the joy in our hearts. Amen? That's really what I believe uh, John 10.10 10 is saying, that we can have a life that is more abundant, that we don't have to worry about the things that's going on, and God will make sure that he would do it for us. Amen? Amen. So that is the heart of God from the very beginning. When he started a creation, God already wants, because we were created for a relationship. Just like any father would probably, and uh, I know some of you would actually, has done it, you would buy gifts for your child. It's not because, oh, I want them to learn something. That, 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 I'm going to give them this gift so they can learn how to save. No, no, no father does that. You give them, sometimes you give them the most, what, expensive gift? Because you want to see their lights, or their lights, their eyes light up when they open the gift. Isn't it? No father would actually give, uh, oh, I'll give my son a rock or a stone and teach him that, you know what, you have to work. Eventually you have to work. No, no father, and I, I don't believe any father would do that. Every father, when they have a capacity to give a good gift to their child, to their children, would do everything in their power. Isn't it? Wouldn't you not? Our Heavenly Father is no different. First Timothy uh, 6.17. As for the rich in this present age, it says, Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. If you haven't experienced that, if you're, not, you're still there, I love how Robin says that don't throw away your confidence. Except if your confidence is on money. Yes, I'm giving you permission to throw that away. Okay? But if your confidence is in God, wait. Do not give up. God promised. She even said, God is not a man that he should lie. Coming from the book of Numbers. The context of that very verse talks about how God spoke goodness to, the, to Israel. How can I then change my mind? That's the context of that verse. Whenever you hear that word where it says that God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that, he, that uh, he would change his mind, the context of that scripture is that God spoke good things to Israel. He spoke a promise to Israel. So when Balaam was saying that uh, God cannot change his mind, that's the context. If God has spoken good things to Israel, then God cannot change his mind. He cannot change his mind and say, oh, 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 Israel, you've been bad. I'm going to change my mind. No. That's the very context of that book in the book of Numbers. It's, it's amazing. And that has been the heart of God. What God has spoken, and God has spoken good things, he cannot change his mind over you. Amen? Let's pray. So I hope that if you're one, if you're here today, go ahead and pop up the last question, please. If you're here today and you're still struggling with this, do I trust money more than God? Think about it. I just want us to reflect.
going to happen overnight. It might be difficult. It might be a struggle. But the first step is really just surrendering it. Just give it up. Just say, Lord, money has a hold on me. I make my decision based on money. I cannot move because of money. I move because of money. I make my decision based on money. I find my identity because I have much. I'm worried when I don't have it. I feel secure when I do. That's like a shifting shadow. That's like a chasing over the wind. And if that's you, just let's just pray. Let's just end in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you that you care enough, Father, to give us warnings in the Bible. But more so, Father, thank you, as your word says, that you will richly provide us with everything to enjoy. That everything that you give to us can be enjoyed. And Father, I just release this heart of mine that's been trusting on money. And Lord, I just release this philosophy of mine that's been trusting on what I can attain on my own, what I can work for. Father, thank you that your word says that possessions and wealth and the power to enjoy them is a gift from you. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Father, I just pray, Father, that you would bless this church. Thank you, even as you spoke in the book of Numbers. Bless us. Protect us. Let your face shine upon us. May you be gracious to us. And may we always walk in peace, in peace, in peace. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church.